you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Our gospel comes from John chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is the true food, and my blood the true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Well, today's gospel is really one of the richest and yet one of the most controversial verses in all of the New Testament. And uh, based on the response uh, to Jesus' sermon here, and it is a sermon, we just kind of caught a a little bit of it, based on Jesus' response alone, uh, this is probably one of the worst sermons that Jesus has ever preached. Uh, John will say, you can look at the very end of John chapter 6, John tells us that as soon as Jesus finished preaching this sermon, quote, many of his disciples stopped following him and they went back to their former way of life. I mean, it was just far too much for people to handle. Uh, Jesus uh, preached this sermon in the synagogue of Capernaum. Uh, Earlier this year, a small group of us uh, took a trip to the Holy Land, and we were actually able to visit the location where this synagogue would have stood. And while we were there, we read from John chapter 6, just a portion of these words. And it was such a moving experience, just standing in the location where our Lord was issuing these really provocative words. And we were in the spot where so many of his followers chose to abandon him because of what he said uh, in this lesson. You know, the curious thing is is that Jesus, throughout this chapter, he never once softened his rhetoric or tried to correct people's understanding. He actually does this in other places in John's Gospel. For instance, he has this conversation with Nicodemus. And he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus took him literally and says, what are you talking about? Am I supposed to enter my mother's womb a second time? And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically here. I'm, I'm saying you've got to be born from above. You've got to be born from God. And yet here the people respond to the Lord saying, eat your flesh, drink your blood. Are you serious? And you know what Jesus does? He actually intensifies the graphic nature of his language. We don't catch this in the English translation. 
Jesus actually goes from using the Greek word that means eat, eat my flesh. He actually switches and shifts and uses a Greek word that literally means gnaw. You must gnaw on my flesh. You must chew and munch on my body. And of course, this was just horrifying uh, to the people in the synagogue who were listening to, to him. And yet Jesus is making abundantly clear in no uncertain terms that he has come to be true food for the world. The Lord says, I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. And really, if you study the whole contours of the Lord's life, he was bread from the very beginning. Every Christmas, we sing the carol, O little town of Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. Bethlehem literally translates to house of bread. He was born in the house of bread. Mary's mother wrapped him in swaddling clothes and then placed him in a manger, which was a feeding trough for animals. They would use grain like wheat to feed the animals. Grain, we use that for bread. Jesus, from the very beginning, has come to be true food. And if Jesus is the bread, that means you and I, we are the hungry. And it is our hunger that the Lord comes to satisfy. I mean, we know that without food, the body will die. And yet, what we often neglect or ignore is that without food, without proper nourishment, our souls will die as well. You know, and for the last, what, 200 years or more, our culture has taught us, it's just in the air we breathe, that we are nothing more than material beings. That's all you are is your body. Therefore, you should be able to gratify every physical urge, bodily impulse that you feel. And you know what we've done? We've more or less complied with this philosophy. I mean, we have filled our lives with every conceivable good of this life. We do this now. We fill our lives with food. We fill our lives with wine, with uh, holiday getaways, with investment accounts, with houses. I mean, you name it, we have filled our lives with everything, and yet we are frustrated. We are still dissatisfied. I think there's more despair in this culture than there's ever been because what we ignore, everybody, is that there's another part of us that has hunger that truly hungers, and it is our very souls. Our souls have a longing and a hunger. Our souls have an infinite longing, an infinite desire. And when we try to fill our lives, this infinite capacity in our souls, when we try to fill this infinite longing within our souls with finite things, with the goods of this life, it's like eating junk food. It's like just filling yourself with empty calories. We've all done this before. We've, we've, we've filled our lives with junk food. What happens? You feel sleepy. You feel sick. And then about an hour later, you're hungry again. No. We have an infinite hunger. What we really want to chew on is infinity itself. And only infinite food can satisfy an infinite hunger, and Jesus comes to be the infinite food we truly crave. Jesus is the God 
we can consume. And only God can satisfy the hungry heart. I think there are really two images. One of them is, is more overt in our passage. I think there are two images that are lurking behind the background in, in, in the midst of Jesus' sermon here. The first image that's really in the background here is the image of the manna of the Old Testament. That miraculous bread that God showered on the Israelites as they were going through the wilderness through the hands of Moses. It was an expectation that uh, when the Messiah would come, the Messiah would be like Moses, and yet the Messiah would be greater than Moses, but like Moses, the Messiah would feed his people. And yet Jesus here is playing on that image, and what he's saying is that I am the one who is truly greater than Moses. Moses served the people, the miraculous bread, the manna. But what Jesus is saying is that I am coming to be at the same time the server of this miraculous bread and the bread itself. Jesus is saying, I am the provider and the provision. I have come to serve you the meal and I've come to be the very meal itself. So Jesus is saying that his bread, what he's going to offer himself, is more miraculous. It's more supernatural than the bread that Moses served. Those who ate of Moses' bread, the Lord says in our lesson, they, they still died. But those who eat of the bread that I give will have my own eternal life coursing through their bodies and they will live forever. So that's the first image, the manna. Jesus is greater than even that miraculous bread. I think the second image, it's not quite as explicit, but I think it's there, is the image of the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb. Only in John's gospel is Jesus referred to as the lamb of God. John the Baptist says this in the opening chapter, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's a reference to the Passover lamb. Passover lamb, you will recall this. The Passover lamb was the animal sacrificed in the book of Exodus and whose blood was, was put on the doors where the, the Israelites lived in the homes of the Hebrews. And that blood saved the Hebrews from the final plague of death that came into the land of Egypt. But here's what we often overlook. There was one additional thing that the Hebrews were commanded to do with that sacrificed lamb. Yes, they were commanded to put the, the blood on the doorpost from that lamb. But there was one other thing that God commanded them to do to that sacrificed animal. To complete the sacrifice. They had to eat it. They had to eat the sacrificial lamb. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is saying, I am the true and definitive sacrificial lamb who will be sacrificed on the cross. And how does he want us to participate in this sacrifice? We must eat of this sacrifice. 
That's why he says, eat my flesh. He's the true sacrificial lamb whose sacrifice we complete by eating it. You know, this is why in the Methodist tradition, we believe that when we come to this table, what is on this altar is more than just ordinary bread, and it's more than just a symbol. John, we John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist faith, he taught this, and this is what we believe, that through a great mystery, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, becomes truly present to us through these elements. This bread and this wine become just white hot with grace. And when we eat of this bread, we eat and have a share in Christ's own eternal life. St. Augustine uh, famously put it like this. He said, all the other foods that we eat in life, we consume and assimilate to ourselves. But when we eat of this food, this food consumes us and assimilates us into the very body of Jesus himself. There's only one thing that you and I need to bring to this table, and that is our hunger. So, Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now I invite you to pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, now and forever.